Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium and Main podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is Monday, December 7th. We had a weekend of Michigan basketball, uh, and they ended up beating UCF 80-58 to yesterday on a Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. Uh, Mike, how you doing out there? I'm doing good after yesterday's uh, beatdown. It's funny, Justin. So um, I'm watching the game at home. It started at 4 o'clock. Um, so I'm, I'm, I catch it a few minutes late because I watched the end of the Detroit Lions comeback win over the Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I jump on, and I jump on, and it's you know maybe like three minutes into the game. Um, and then we're heading over to my in-laws for dinner. And uh, when I leave, Michigan's losing, I think it was like by seven points. Uh, pretty early on still. It was like 17 to 10 or something like that. I get over to my in-laws. They live about uh, less than 10 minutes. Uh, go inside. My father-in-law flips on the game, and all, all of a sudden it's like 28-27 Michigan. And I was like, wow. whoa, what happened here? And he's like, oh, they just went on this really nice run. And I'm like, yeah, they must have. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then I watched the rest of it, and they, I mean, they had an incredible run uh, in that game uh, to, just to take it to Central Florida. Um, you know, at one point almost being up by, by 40 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second half, I mean, this was uh, this was their their most challenging game, uh, at least on paper, so far this season, and it was their best game uh, by far this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the start there was a little troubling. I mean, to, to be honest, it was the starters came out very flat. I think there's something to do with playing on set on Sunday afternoon for these guys. I don't know what it is, but we never seem to show up mm-hmm. right away on Sunday afternoons. Um, but you know, livers and Franz in the first half did not play well. Livers had probably his worst game, you know, non non injury wise ever in, in, a, in a Michigan uniform. And so um, he only ended with five points, but they really struggled in that first half. I know Franz had, foul issues he got pulled right away and then it was not the starters that made Michigan go on that run to to take the lead back in the first half it was uh you know Hunter Dickinson it was Terrence Williams it was Brandon Johns it was Sean D. Brown mm-hmm. so it was those guys and we've talked about the, the versatility of this team and it showed more than ever yesterday that 
even with uh, Livers and Franz, obviously their top two guys struggling, this team can can win. And so uh, UCF, they beat Auburn earlier. That that was their only other game. So they're legit. You know, I think Michigan ended up as a 12 and a half or 13 point favorite before the game, but that's a solid, solid basketball team. And Michigan made them look like they were, you know, a bottom of the Mac team by the end of the day. Yeah, they really did. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was pretty impressive. In fact, um, you know, this was the best game for, for a number of, of Wolverines. Uh, I, I certainly think that, you know, Hunter Dickinson continued to be strong. Sean Day Brown really bailed them out because, yeah. Uh, once again, Justin, the, the three-point shooting was abysmal. I think in the first half, Michigan was three of 15, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they finished six of 12 in the second half. And most of that was Sean Day Brown because he was four of six uh, while everybody else struggled. But, um, you know, this is a great, great game for, for Sean Day Brown. This is a great game for Terrence Williams. I mean, a lot of the newcomers, right? Mike Smith, uh, uh, you know, contributed four assists in this one. But um, I'll say this, the Terrence Williams, to me, so far is the biggest – early season surprise and I mean we're four games in and unfortunately the North Carolina State game that was supposed to be played uh, on Wednesday this week for the Big Ten ACC Challenge has been postponed or I guess canceled outright but four games in Terrence Williams to me is the guy who you know he he was part of this this highly decorated recruiting class for Michigan uh, but this class this class dropped a little bit when they didn't get Josh Christopher and and even, you know, it was about Hunter Dickinson and Zeb Jackson was supposed to be the, the point guard of the future. And I feel like Terrence Williams got lost in the shuffle a little bit. But you look at the last couple of games, uh, that game against Oakland where he came in and really provided a spark to help break down that, uh, that zone defense that Oakland runs. Uh, and then this, then this game yesterday, the eight points in the first half, finished with 10 points overall, six defensive rebounds. I mean, he, he showed he could stroke it from three-point land. Um, he's a very versatile player. And – it's going to be really interesting to me, Justin, to see where Terrence Williams takes minutes away from or who he takes minutes away from. Uh, so far, in terms of how much he's played, most of it has come at the four. Um, 19% of his, his minutes have come at the four and 8% have come at the three. You know, so what does that mean for, for Brandon Johns? What does that mean for, for Franz Wagner? Um, you know, especially what does it mean for Brandon Johns? All of a sudden, Brandon Johns finds himself, he, you know, he was definitely supposed to be the back of the four this year, and he has been for the most part but suddenly he finds himself in a position where he's going to have to fend off a true freshman. Yeah. I, one thing, so I tweeted it out from the blue by 90 account yesterday and half joking, half not, but it seems like the problem with this team after four games is that they have eight guys that deserve 30 minutes a game. <laughs> you know, it feels mm-hmm. like there, there are not five guys that have separated themselves. And so um, I think Juwan Howard has a real, you know, issue now in front of him of who do I give these minutes to? I think you're, you're very correct. It, it's, it's going to be tough. I, and the thing is that Brandon Johns on the stats yesterday, I don't think he, you know, it doesn't look like he had a great game, but when he was in there, he it was a game changer yesterday. He brought the energy mm-hmm. He is a fantastic rebounder and great on defense mm-hmm. as well. And so um, I think that it's, he'll, he could be a guy and Shondi does this too. Obviously Shondi had a great, uh, great offensive game yesterday, but they're like the energy guys that, that when this team is maybe in a lull, like John Howard can go to his bench immediately and knows that he's at least going to get guys that are bringing energy to energy to the floor. And so I think that, 
is such a, an advantage for Michigan when throughout a season, especially like this, you know, it just sometimes you just have an off day, you know, for these guys. And it feels like we're never, you know, Michigan's never going to go into a, a weekday uh, Wednesday night, nine o'clock game or a Sunday afternoon game and struggle just because their energy's not there. So I mm-hmm. think that's where those guys can really, um, you know, bring uh, something else to the table. But um, I tell you what, well, like well, you me, said, uh, yeah. Terrence Williams, I was not expecting him to, to mm-hmm. be a serious contributor to, contributor to this game, but definitely four games in. So um, it's, it's pretty interesting where, you know, you're now at nine, nine guys deep that are getting mm-hmm. serious minutes for this team. Well, and, and a couple things, I mean, that raises the question is, is, you know, and maybe the, the COVID world because Jawan Howard has even said, Hey guys, this is, we're, we're playing basketball in COVID. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a guy who contacts tracing or, or you really hope doesn't test positive. Um, but, you know, that limits their, their lineup flexibility down the road here. But when I'm looking at it a little bit, you know, you always feel good about an eight-man rotation. Um, you have someone who can come in and play, uh, you know, the two guard or the three position and create that versatility. I've always been a fan of like an eight-man rotation. A nine-man rotation, a ten-man rotation gets a little bit, I want to say sloppy, but all of a sudden, like, you can kind of lose your chemistry. You can lose, uh, you know, the things that you do well. And, and, you know, Michigan, if they wanted to, could go ten deep. I mean, that's Zeb Jackson mm-hmm. uh, adding to the, to the overall mix. I don't think Zeb Jackson is going to get a lot of looks. Now, maybe that changes as the season goes on and he develops his own game. Um, but I wonder a little bit, Justin, when, when I'm peering into, this, into these lineups is, Someone like Austin Davis, who again started his fourth straight game. We had a conversation about that at the time for Hunter Dickinson to take over. You know, Hunter Dickinson got the minutes. Once again, he got the minutes when the game was on the line. Uh, you know, he played um, 24 minutes yesterday. Austin Davis played 12. So he's getting those minutes at the five. Right. But is it possible that someone like Austin Davis, who is a great program guy, who certainly has a low post game that um, is valuable at times, but could he be shifted out to five for Brandon Johns? If Terrence Williams continues to uh, accelerate and elevate and you want to get him more minutes at the four, well, maybe Terrence Williams gets those minutes at the four with Franz Wagner and that shifts Brandon Johns to the five where, you know, is he undersized against some of the bigger centers? Yes, you can't play him against Kofi Colbert or Coburn from, from Illinois. You can't play him against Luca Garza from Iowa because those are really big centers. Right. But you could play him against everybody else in the Big Ten for the most part. And then that five, Brandon Johns can step out and hit the three. Brandon mm-hmm. Johns can play 20 feet away from the basket. How much of a mismatch does that provide for Michigan if the five on the other team now has to defend Brandon Johns? Yeah, I, I definitely disagree. I think that, I mean, the reality you is. disagree you definitely agree? Sorry, definitely agree. Agree. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I think the reality is that Austin Davis, if he was not a fifth-year senior captain, that he wouldn't even be getting 12 minutes a game. And so just the way that – I think that Juwan Howard wants to make a statement and say, hey, this guy's earned it. And and I've said this before, but um, at some point he can earn it all he wants, but we need to win basketball games, right? And so – 
Um, I think Hunter Dickinson's your best guy there, but Austin Davis doesn't have the versatility that you mentioned there that Brandon Johns has. And so I think, yes, when, um, when Kofi Coburn is not on the, the floor, Brandon Johns definitely can play the five and he can defend most guys except for Coburn and Luca Garza, maybe, and a couple other guys in the league. And so it will be interesting, you know, now without the NC state game on Wednesday, it's Big Ten season, so it's it's mm-hmm. you you no longer have the the um, you know the luxury of just kind of throwing people in there and playing MAC teams and and uh, you know the American Conference teams to try things out. Juwan Howard has to figure it out. So I'll ask you this: so like, like you said, there were ten or sorry nine guys with uh, with a double digits minutes played um, yesterday. Once we go into Big Ten play, how do you think it'll be nine? Do you think it'll be eight? No. Um, or, and where do you see as uh, – where do you, how many people are going to actually contribute? As in, I, I, I'll say contribute as like double-digit scoring as well. Well, I don't think that's contrib- – I, I don't think that counts as contributing, honestly, because double-digit scoring, um, you know – on any given team, on any given night, you might have three or four guys that get into double digits. Does that mean the other five guys didn't contribute? Right. No, they did. They just contributed in a different way. I, I don't ever look at it in terms of points. I look at it in terms of minutes. Uh, I look at it in terms of your plus minus. Um, I look at it in terms of, you know, in a game like yesterday, um, Isaiah Livers finished with five points. Did he not contribute to the win? No, I think anybody would say that he did. Uh, contribute to the success of that game. Brandon John, same, same thing. He had five points yesterday, but he was a key contributor you know again i think an eight-man rotation is the sweet spot for most teams because you keep uh those three guys coming off the bench you keep them engaged uh the the players that start you keep them engaged you can uh build the 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 best chemistry among a group but in this particular case with the way that terrence williams is balling out um and what it really comes down to what he does with austin davis i i think there's going to be opportunities in the big ten where uh, someone like Austin Davis makes some sense uh, and, and he gets a little bit of a run, um, you know, but, but does that mean it's 10, 12, 14 minutes a game? No, it could go down, it could go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just think nine is hard. I know it's only one position, but I think nine is hard to keep everybody in the same flow. I think 10 is impossible. Uh, so it really comes down. And, and I don't know when that gets decided because, you know, the NC state games we mentioned got canceled. Uh, because of some positive COVID outbreaks uh, with the Wolfpack, uh, you know, you're, you're going to play then Penn State, um, you know, comes to town, right, uh, in, uh, on Sunday, December 13th, so a week from yesterday. So, I mean, you don't have a long time to kind of figure this out and figure out who your group is. So maybe it's a little bit more fluid throughout the season, Justin, because you don't have a non-conference. I mean, the first couple of games are against Penn State. Uh, Nebraska and and Maryland, which Maryland has been a little bit better than people expected this year. But those are three teams that are supposed to be in the in Northwestern too. Those are four teams to start their Big Ten season that are supposed to be in the bottom third even, of the even Big Ten going, this year. Going to the next one, you have then Minnesota and then Penn State again. So to be honest, outside of Maryland, until halfway through January, when you mm-hmm. have Wisconsin come to town, it's really not a competitive Big Ten schedule. So I think that although, yes, the Big Ten obviously is better competition than, even at the bottom than what we've seen so far, they do have the luxury of playing not, you know, not top of the Big Ten right away. So Juwan Howard still does have a little bit of time to get this all figured out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he does. He does. And, you know, hopefully when you look at Michigan's schedule now and they, they drop NC State, I mean, they're favored in one, two, three, four, five. I mean, they're favored in five of their next six games, um, all of those being uh, Big Ten games. Uh, you know, and they're, the, the game against Maryland, which is on the road, I mean, they're only, according to Ken Palm, I mean, they've got a 48% chance to win. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the way that this team played on Sunday against Central Florida, if they could repeat that performance – uh, consistently, game in and game out. Um, a, they could go undefeated in this next stretch until they get to Wisconsin uh, in early January, Justin. And the other thing, the team that showed up against Central Florida yesterday, especially the second half team that showed up against Central Florida, I mean, that's a team that, in my opinion, finishes top four in the Big Ten and can compete for the conference championship and be a team that's going into the suites or going into the NCAA tournament uh, as a you know a, a three four seed. Uh, which I think is is the is the ideal, you know, probably the ceiling ceiling for this mm-hmm. for this team this year. Um, that's the perfect scenario unfolding for Michigan, finishing top four Big Ten, uh, being a three or four seed, making it to the Sweet 16, and then anything can happen. But I'll say this: the last couple of games after that tough Oakland game, I've been very excited watching Michigan football. Um, excuse me, Michigan basketball. I haven't been excited about watching Michigan football in a long time. Uh, <laughs> been excited about watching Michigan basketball, and that's a good feeling to have, isn't it? It's a very good feeling to have. It's just positivity around Michigan athletics is uh, seems like it has been hard to come by for a while now. So I'm pretty happy about that. The the one I I agree with you. I think that that uh, Michigan now, you know, if they do play like that, which I I believe they ended that game on like a fifty something to fourteen run, something crazy in the uh, you know since they were down. I believe 13 at one point to UCF. So just a crazy, you know, once those guys came in, turn it around. Um, the one thing that I'm still worried about is defense. Uh, this team outside of yesterday, they've given up quite a few uh, points to, to uh, you know, some not so great teams. So um, it has gotten better over the four games, you know, and, but still, I think when you're looking at it, this team has to lock down some spots and, and they're, I don't think that Hunter Dickinson is a lockdown defender in the post, which concerns me, you know, when we're, when Michigan's going to be going up against Luca Garza and like you said, Kofi Coburn and some of these other stud guys. I mean, even for Michigan state, you've got a couple really big guys. Maddie Sissoko is their freshman as well. Um, and, and so um, I, I, I would be concerned about the defense of this team. The only real there's two guys that I think are stud defenders I think Eli Brooks is a stud defender on the on the um guard level and I think that Shondi Brown is a stud defender um as well uh, and that's for the three to four range everyone else I don't know I, Mike Smith I don't think is a great defender even uh Livers and uh, Franz is supposed to be I think he could be but he hasn't shown it this year still Franz Wagner, where is he? Where's the, where is the Franz Wagner that everyone talked about being a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate? Because he definitely has not shown it four games in against not so great opponents. Well, we'll finish. We'll finish on this on this note because I think the problem for Franz Wagner so far is I think he's actually rebounded the basketball pretty well. I think his defense has been pretty good. Uh, I saw a number of opportunities yesterday where he where he got to the basket. Um, I mean, look at his his two point. Uh, percentage right now he's shooting 68.4 percent from twos um and because he's getting in the basket he's finishing around the rim but he's one of eight from three-point land if he wants to be a first round draft pick 
leave after this year, which is a distinct possibility, and someone that rises, he can't be shooting one of eight from three. Um, you know, he was he was 0 for 1 uh, yesterday, 0 for 4 in the Bowling Green game. No, he, he, he's got to shoot better than that. Um, and I think that's what's limiting him. I mean, if, if, you know, first of all, he's not taking a whole bunch of three-pointers because he's not feeling good about those three-pointers. Uh, and second of all, he's not making them. I mean, if, if he was feeling good, if he was shooting even 30, 32% right now from three, uh, Justin, he would be averaging, you know, probably another four points per game um, and be in a much better position overall. So I, I think Franz feeling his way through. Um, you know, this team overall has been a bad three-point shooting team when you look at it. Uh, you know, I have the numbers here in front of me. Uh, they're shooting 32.3%. That's 145th um, in college basketball. There are two players right now, Shonda Brown and Isaiah Liver, shooting better than shooting better than 35%. Everybody else is struggling, including Eli Brooks, um, including, uh, you know, Franz Wagner, Brandon Johns. Um, so, yeah, they need, to, they need to get that better if they're going to be uh, – if they're really going to make some noise this and year. I, so. I, I think that uh, – one more thing just on that. I think that the, the bigger problem with that is they're missing wide open looks. You know, that's where I have the issue. Sometimes that's uh, sometimes the three-point percentage is a little bit skewed because they're taking bad shots. These are wide-open looks that they're missing, which is a struggle. Um, but I did want to highlight Hunter Dickinson did get uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Week this week. Um, and so with only 22 points – or, sorry, 22 minutes per game uh, at this point. So I think that – the, the ceiling is unbelievable for Hunter Dickinson right now, only four games into his career, um, already getting a, a freshman of the week honor. Um, so I imagine he'll probably get more towards the 30 minutes per game uh, mark if he keeps showing out like this. And I think that he could be maybe a, a Big Ten freshman of the year candidate for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I would say Hunter Dickinson is probably the favorite right now for yeah. uh, for a Big Ten freshman of the year. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun so far. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to a special guest from a, a small business owner here in Ann Arbor. And then just in the part of the podcast that I think we've avoided the last two podcasts, maybe the last three podcasts we've like put on the back burner is talking football. What is the latest with Michigan football? Obviously, um, everybody wants to know what we've heard on the Jim Harbaugh situation, what we've heard on the game situation this weekend. Uh, we'll jump into all of that coming up. Uh, after a small business podcast interview. So, you know, what we've been doing on this podcast on Stadium Main, in addition to talking Michigan football and basketball and hockey, is we've been introducing you to members of the Ann Arbor, Washtenaw community, small business owners uh, who certainly have been putting in the blood, sweat, and tears uh, to build successful businesses. And uh, what a great opportunity for, for you right now around the holidays, but through these next few months, uh, to support these small business owners as uh, as they like you um, try to get through the the pandemic and hopefully come out the other side with vaccines and spring and summer and rejuvenation and rebirth and uh, joining us here today from Cookie Collab uh, is Amy Lugo. Amy, thanks very much for for hanging with us. Hi, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Amy, you were telling us a little beforehand you you did uh, some cookies for for a friend. Um, and, and loved that, you know, that you, you know, you were probably in the bacon, uh, and, you know, in the bakery and just kind of figuring it out. Um, how did that kind of turn into a, an individual business? 
Yeah, so I, I, like I had mentioned, I had made some cookies for my girlfriend's baby shower and kind of really saw how much joy that brought not only myself, but all, all everybody there. And then I couldn't shake the feeling of, I want to, I want to do this all the time. And so probably a good couple of weeks, I just spent uh, all the time just constantly thinking about it, Googling it, all like, is there a such thing? How do I do this? Um, and fortunate for me, I have a pretty good network here in Ann Arbor and I uh, had mentioned it to a couple people and, and started the right conversations and uh, got in touch with uh, the SBDC here in, in Washington mm -hmm. County and kind of started that conversation. And then uh, with it coming up on, so it was December last year, uh, 2019. So it was perfect cookie season in December. So it was mm -hmm. uh, kind of did a, a jump in the water test run, see let, you know how how is this going to be perceived? Is it is it something that's going to take off or not? And then uh, you know get through the get through the holiday season and then see what it look what things look like in January. So that's so that's what I did, and uh, there was no time to even look back. It just kind of snowballed and and took off from there. Well, you named your business Cookie Collab. So I guess what is the, you know, tell us the kind of the genesis behind that, that name. Because I think everybody's name kind of speaks a little bit to what type of business they are and who they are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my background is in graphic design and I do a lot of work with branding and logos and, and working with business owners to kind of uh, paint the picture of what, what they want, want their brand to look like and what speaks to them. So for me, it's a lot of collaboration. And it's kind of doing that same thing with cookies, uh, you know, whether it be making cookies for your event, for your special occasion, you know, it's kind of that collaboration piece uh, with my, my design background, I can kind of, we can work together and figure out what that is that you want and put it together. Mm -hmm. And then um, the second, second half of that is kind of being uh, in, um, like in the tech industry. So I, my full-time job is in, in that works for a software company and so I got really, and especially here in Ann Arbor, just got really engrossed in the tech scene. And Colab is uh, another, so um, like Google Colab, they have like this, um, is a terminology used for sharing code. And just, again, mm -hmm. that whole sharing, sharing communication, sharing, sharing technology um, kind of really resonated me. So that's where I got put the two of them together. Well, I, I like it. It's uh, it's very fun. Um, on your website, cookiecolab.com, uh, you know, list a couple of your um, the cookies that you you know you've made in the past, including a, a COVID nineteen survival set. Uh, you know, why not why not eat the the, uh, the the pandemic away, the the disease away with a little like that little red, um, whatever you know virus yeah. that we yeah the germ yeah. that we've all gotten used to. Uh, you know, a Netflix cookie and some, some toilet paper cookies, um, which are great fun. And, and so is it, you know, everybody, I mean, can someone reach out to you and you do, uh, cookies by spec, like, so you'll do it like individually, um, or is the goal more to create like, uh, themes and then just have people buy those overall? Um, no, creating custom orders for people's special occasions, events, uh, is, is, primarily what I do and then supplement in between there with the holidays with the or, uh, you know, Christmas platters, uh, Halloween. I did a boot, I called it a boot box for Halloween. It had just Halloween themed cookies. Um, and then in between there, I definitely have, have had uh, lots of people reach out to me to do uh, weddings, baby shower, birthdays, uh, just because stuff like that. 
So yeah, kind of, kind of a mix between the two. Well, one of the things you can buy right now too, super fun and taking advantage of the holiday season is a do-it-yourself holiday cookie decorating kit. Uh, so you send the cookies, you send the frosting, you send the sprinkles, uh, and then you just, I mean, so then someone can, you know, for me, I'm not a good baker, um, but I love the idea of like making Christmas cookies. And so this is like, seems like an awesome kit because um, everything comes and all I got to do is, is quasi try to decorate myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I have a few different designs right now, uh, a traditional Christmas and a, uh, what I'm calling, um, oh, no, I'm drawing a blank for the name, but it's like more of a, more fun colors. Uh, still Christmas themed, but with brighter fun colors. Oh, merry and bright. Sorry, couldn't couldn't think. Lost my train of thought there for a minute. So merry and bright, which is brighter Christmas colors, and then a Hanukkah box. And yeah, like you said, it comes with a dozen butter cookies, a uh, few different colors of buttercream that's ready to go, and uh, matching sprinkles. And yeah, they can. They're they're. I make them fresh every week, and they stay fresh for about seven to ten days, and they can be frozen to pull them out and do them later, later as it gets closer to Christmas or right away. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, Amy, um, a lot of good things that you're doing. Uh, and you, at some point you hope to be able to offer classes again too. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping, you know, those were some of the ideas that I had when I first started this a year ago was to do birthday parties, uh, cookie decorating classes, uh, you know, host girls night, stuff like that. But, you know, you know, of course most, most of us are, um, you know, not, we're not able to do that right now. So yeah, hopefully when things get back to our, our new normal, we're able to meet in person again and uh, do some of those fun things. I've thrown around the idea of, of doing it virtually, uh, but haven't taken, haven't taken that leap yet. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I look forward to, to what's next for you. And uh, again, people can learn all about your business at cookiecolab.com. Um, I highly recommend going and looking up Cookie Collab on Instagram because you can look at all the cookie uh, iterations that um, uh, that uh, Amy has has made here, um, including you know a little a couple little baby ones, um, you know back to virtual school. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, your Star Wars ones are very clever and very good. I mean the artwork on something like that. I know Baby Yoda is all the rage right now, but to do the Stormtrooper head, do you see three PO's head? <laughs> I mean, is that are you are you getting that from like a stencil or is that like your creative juices that you can pull that off? Uh, yeah, I kind of spend a little bit of time looking around. I mean, obviously those aren't original designs. Those are characters that we know, um, mm -hmm. but there's a, there's a few different processes. I can make a stencil. Uh, sometimes I project the image using a projector, uh, project it down on, onto the cookie and then and trace it. Um, so yeah, got a few tricks. Well, there, it's, it all looks delicious and highly recommend the, uh, the cookie, uh, Christmas cookie, uh, do-it-yourself decoration kit. Uh, again, cookiecolab.com. Amy, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Well, Justin, I need to get out and get me some of those uh, cookies. Certainly uh, for for friends and family. For I've got four nieces and nephews. I think that they would really enjoy uh, doing the the cookie decorations. Um, it's probably going to bring them some Christmas joy here. And how do you segue from from talking cookies to talking uh, Michigan, Michigan football, maybe, maybe say Ohio state's looking at Michigan as like a cupcake this week. <laughs> there um, you if go. they do get a play in the game, 30 point favorite is what uh, Ohio state opened up as if the game is played. Um, you know, here it is Monday afternoon, no Harbaugh press conference. We're not supposed to hear from Jim Harbaugh or the players until 
Wednesday is what the email said from uh, Michigan Media Relations. Um, you know, I, I think that they go they go back to practice today. Uh, in fact, you have heard, um, you know, you have heard uh, from your sources that Michigan is practicing today. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard from a, a prominent source at Michigan that they, at least they're preparing to play the game Saturday against Ohio State. Didn't definitively say that they will. That'll still be the doctors. But Justin, I've speculated um, for a couple of days now that after the whole Kirk Herbstreet thing went down and Ward Manuel then chastised Kirk Herbstreet, that whether you want to admit it or not, if you're Michigan, that you got put into a spot where if you don't play this game this weekend, even if you have legitimate, legitimate COVID issues, there's enough people out there that public perception is going to be that you, you wave the white flag. And Kirk Herbstreit can apologize all he wants, but he put it out there on the national perspective. Mm -hmm. And for 24 hours or at least 12 hours, everybody was running with it. And so now is that the perception that Michigan wants? No. And again, you can't, I mean, if it comes down to health and it comes down to the players and you've got too many people that have tested positive and you can't practice, then that's that. That's the ball game. But if it's a situation like Ohio State had last weekend where there were three or four players that were missing the game because of, um, because of testing positive, but then there were another 15 to 18 players that missed the game because of contact tracing. If Michigan finds themselves in a similar boat, I think that they'll try to play this game, Justin, because they don't want that perception out there. I agree with you. I think that Ward Manuel is now, and same with Jim Harbaugh, and I, I still think that Michigan should have heard, or fans should have heard from Jim Harbaugh. Is he, they should have heard his comments on what Kirk Herbstreit said and how, no, that's bullshit, that's all these things. You know, we are, are you know, trying to take this as seriously as possible, um, whereas it doesn't look like Ohio State is taking it as seriously when they play with, you know, 23 guys out. It's pretty crazy, as well as some, uh, some coaches, too, including their head coach, Ryan Day, and Greg Madison as well. So um, what's crazy to me is they could have 23 guys out and half their coaching staff and still win by 40 um, versus Michigan State, which could be the case this week as well. Who knows? Um, but I agree. I just think it's like – Michigan has put themselves kind of in this situation. They, they have backed themselves against a wall here. And I know Kirk Herstory didn't do them any favors, but they've been silent on everything, whether it was Jim Harbaugh, whether it was all these other things. It's just, it seems like they, if they don't play this game, they're running from it and they're running from the, I mean, Ward Manuel, no doubt has been running from the Jim Harbaugh conversation. And so to all these things for them to just be kind of radio silent, except for Ward and one video that's on MGO TV, MGO blue TV and all this stuff for, and now even on Monday, there's no press, no media, anything like that. Like, what is the perception? What, is, what are you trying to put out there? It, it's not good in terms of where you're at. Because now even in, you know, John Bacon came out today and said he thinks that an announcement of, uh, for Michigan's coaching staff will be, or Jim Harbaugh will be made later this week. To me, that seems like they're going to extend him because why would you mm -hmm. fire him before the game? And so now – there's been no talk of that at all until you make the announcement, maybe just a couple days before you get spanked by Ohio state. It all looks bad. No, however way you do it. Now it looks bad because of the way they've handled this situation. I agree. I mean, Justin, this, this comes down to 
look, there's a little bit of saying, um, there's a little bit of like HIPAA and a little bit of like, hey, you can't reveal someone uh, their their health status. That's that's between them and the doctor. But you know, every other university, even Ohio State last week when they revealed the 23 names that are going to be sitting out the game because of because of either COVID or uh, contact tracing. And they, I, I thought it was great that they didn't specify which one it was because the, the, you don't, you don't want to put that on someone, right? Like, right. And, and even if they had COVID, they, it shouldn't, I mean, that shouldn't be a black mark, but, um, but you know, that's kind of like, a, unfortunately, some of the perception out there, like somehow you did it to yourself or you got to, you know, selfishly, I, I, I don't know. That's an entirely different conversation. Um, but they at least just put out there, like, we've got 23 players and staff missing the game. And, you know, in other situations, you've had, hey, you've had that Florida situation earlier against LSU. We had 17 players out. Michigan, on the other hand, doesn't announce anything. It doesn't say how many, how many players and staff are being removed from the situation because of COVID or contact tracing. And when you don't put numbers out there, you start to, uh, you just start to invite some of that, I don't want to say criticism, but you start to invite some of that skepticism. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it, is it five? Is it 15? If it's, Justin, if they put out there that we have got 20 people that are in isolation right now, either due to positive tests or contact tracing, everybody's like, okay, makes total sense. Exactly. You know, you got to do what you got to do. But is that number three? If that number is three, then what are we even talking about right now? You know, like that's the problem is that Michigan just hides behind everything. The fact that Ward Manuel did an interview with MGO Blue TV to talk about this but didn't talk to the actual media where he could answer questions about COVID, answer questions about uh, how things are going, answer questions about Jim Harbaugh. Michigan runs itself like it is a freaking private business and that it doesn't answer to anybody ever. And it's utterly ridiculous and it's bullshit because they hide and hide and hide. And then there's no transparency. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's a public university and public universities are guideline by a number of laws that are supposed to be about transparency and Michigan doesn't do any of it. And you know what pisses me off even more about all this is that on the flip side, like you said, Ohio State came out with the 23 names. They outlined exactly what's going on, exactly how they're dealing with it, all this stuff. And then Ryan Day on Saturday went on live TV on college game day to talk about what's going on. Do you think Jim Harbaugh would ever go on live TV right now? I mean, he did it with uh, he did it before the um, you know the season, I think, with ESPN to talk about what they were doing, uh, you know, for practice and stuff like that. But and I know it's easier to do when you're six and zero and at the top of the the food chain when you're Ohio State. But it's just it's not a good perception to anybody, not to the fans, not to the media, mm-hmm. not to recruits. I mean, when we are now nine days away from signing day and they are still radio silent on everything, mm-hmm. they're radio silent on Jim Harbaugh, they're radio silent on how they're, uh, how they're handling the situation, which if I'm a parent of a player, uh, of a recruit, what am I thinking about how this, this program handles my son's health? I don't know about mm-hmm. it. I have no idea because they have just been hiding in Schembechler Hall. So, yeah, it, it's just crazy, man. When, when, there is, when there is all this stuff around the, the, uh, the, the program and they can't get in front of it, like, where's your PR team? 
where is this? This is a, a big program. I just don't understand. And now, you know, we're still, we're five days away from the biggest game at, for the biggest game of, in Michigan, Michigan's schedule, year in and year out. Even if it's a 30-point uh, spread, it's still the biggest game on the schedule, and it should be. And A, don't know if we're playing it. B, don't know what's, what Michigan's status is on any of their players. We don't even know the status of th- two, two different quarterbacks for Michigan. We don't know the status yeah. of Cade McNamara. There's rumors that Joe Milton is hurt, too. There's rumors that Dan Villari, the fourth-string guy in August, is now starting the game against Ohio State where you're already a 30-point spread. So it's just – why do they get this pass to just sit behind everything and Jim Harbaugh doesn't have to go talk and answer to people? It's, it's crazy. Well, I, I think, I think honestly, Justin, because they don't have, there's, there's this monster that is uh, the uncertainty around Jim Harbaugh that they don't want to answer those questions. Um, they don't want to talk about why there hasn't been a contract extension yet. They don't want to answer the questions about Jim Harbaugh's future at the University of Michigan. And because they don't want to answer those questions, they're not going to answer any questions. And I just don't like it. I mean, you can talk to enough public relations people, Bruce Mate, who ran the FI department uh, media relations for 25 years, and John Bacon, who they always talk about, don't ever turn a one-day story into a two-day story. Uh, you know, get out in front of it. You know, be open and honest. I mean, I've said this repeatedly. I talked about this in my, my class that I teach. The worst thing you can possibly do with the media is, is lie to the media or, or hide the truth from the media. Because the moment you hide from the media is when they become rabid dogs and they go after you. Mm-hmm. And, and what Michigan has done is they've taken the approach of like, we're going to hide, 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 and then everything's going to be hunky-dory. And instead, you've got, you've got you know, websites, you've got newspapers, you've got blogs, you've got talk radio, you have podcasts, you have national sites that all are trying to dig in and get to the bottom of everything. And what they end up doing, and we can talk about this a little bit, because every single day, I have a couple of friends of mine who are big Michigan fans. And every single day, they text me in the morning, they say, what's the latest? What have you heard about Jim Harbaugh? Are they giving him a contract extension? Are they firing him? And I, what I come back to is that a little bit is like, guys, like you asked me this yesterday and like, I know, but like, does anything change in the last 24 hours? And here's where you find yourself. You find yourself as a member of the media and you've got the Wolverine and you've got 24 seven sports with Sam Webb. And you've got Brandon Brown from Wolverine Digest and Brian Cook from MGO blog. And you've got Angelique from the Detroit news and Nick Baumgartner from the athletic, every single person that covers Michigan for the most part, there's a few that maybe just don't care. But every single person, Isaiah Hole from Wolverine's Wire, has at least probably one source, maybe two, maybe three, depending on how well you develop your sources, whether those are administrators at Michigan, whether they are support staff in the football, whether they are friends of the coaches, whether they are the coaches themselves, whether they are parents, like everybody has spent time calling and developing sources. And so everybody in the entire media market is talking to their sources right now. And you have got so many conflicting things going on that you don't know who to trust. My former colleague, Chris Ballas, guy I like, guy I respect, guy I worked a long time, saying absolutely an extension is getting done. John Jansen goes on the radio today and says an extension is not, there's no such thing, like it's, it's not true. There's no extension that has been signed. It's not out there. Sam Webb says, looks like an extension is going to be signed. Brandon Brown goes out there, I haven't heard an extension. It doesn't sound like there's going to be. It looks like Michigan's trying to part ways with him still. 
there's so many different points of view coming at it that in some respect, Justin, if you were to ask me right now, like, what do I think? What am I hearing? I don't even want to tell you because I've heard everything and I don't know what is the right answer. All I know is that Michigan has done a piss poor job of managing expectations and managing the situation. Because at the very least, if you had uh, a contract extension in place has been announced, and frankly, it should have, if you were going to do it, it should have been announced before the season began so that he could recruit throughout the entire season with it. It should have been probably announced back in the spring. If COVID or not, you should have announced a contract extension for Jim Harbaugh because now it's just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there, and they're nine days away from signing day, and nobody, not even the recruits, have any idea if Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach of Michigan in 2021. And you even go to, like you said, to the national media where Pro Football Focus put out an article saying that, yes, he's eyeing a return to the NFL. So there's, like you said, there are a million different things out there. None of them have any type of actual facts behind them. It's just rumors that everyone's hearing. And then what it happens, how, how, in what way does it benefit you to keep waiting? I, I don't see any benefit. I don't understand it. There, there's no benefit for you to make a decision one way or the, other, or the other. So the only way that this is taking this long is if Ward Manuel is still deciding or something. Like, yeah. it's just crazy to me. And, and maybe he just doesn't know what to do. But the fact that you're going to – you've already screwed Michigan in recruiting-wise – Xavier Worthy is probably going to go to Alabama because of all this. And so I, I think that, you know what, thank God that J.J. McCarthy is, is already committed and said mm-hmm. he tweeted out this afternoon that he, is, he can't wait to sign to the University of Michigan because there are a lot of other five-star quarterbacks that would have decommitted and flipped somewhere else a long time ago with all this shit that's going down. So it's just, I I don't see, there's no positives to it. And I just, it's, it's you as a media member for 20 plus years have just, I I think everyone else that I've talked to is just in disbelief that this is how it's being handled. And so with all that being said, you're now in the Ohio state week and that's not even the big, like you're in Ohio state week and it's the, it's the largest spread in the history of the game. And that's not mm-hmm. even what people are really talking about, which is crazy to me. And so um, I, I think now you're – so what? You're going to uh, extend him on Thursday this, of this week or something and then go get beat by 50 two days later? So, so where – you're still in a loss. You're still looking bad in the, in the media spotlight. Um, so, yeah, did you want to let, – let's get into the game because I think we could, we could okay. go in circles about that forever, right? Um, but so 30 point spread, Michigan, maybe starting Dan Villari. We, I, I'm pretty sure Cade is definitely out. We don't know about Joe Milton. Um, I know that there's, I mean, Quiddy pay is back, but there are still a lot of people on the defensive and offensive side that are out. Where do you see yourself in terms of, of does Michigan have any possible chance at this game or do they even have any chance of, covering the spread at 30? Oof, boy. Um, no, probably not. I mean, you know, as you said, I mean, we don't expect uh, Cade McNamara. We probably don't expect Joe Milton. Um, so you're looking at Dan Villari making his very first career start as a true freshman. 
No, I, I don't think that they'll be able to score. I, I think they would have major issues with it. Um, they'd be better off putting Hassan Haskins in the wildcat uh, and, and just seeing what comes of that the whole time. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's uh, pretty crazy. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's 30 points is a lot of points, but I, if I were making our predictions, if, if there's going to be a game and we get to Friday and we're making our predictions, I'm going to predict Michigan to lose by 40 or something points. So I absolutely think that 30 is, is the right uh, line at the, at this point in the week. And, and I just, Justin, when, when we come back, let's come back for a second to this idea of announcing a contract extension. You know, one of the things that I have heard pretty consistently is like Michigan was work, waiting for the right timing and they just didn't have the right timing. So if I was Ward Manuel and there is a contract extension on the table, it's going to be signed. He's going to get three more years from that. God, I would announce it before the game. Because if you wait until Monday morning after they've lost by 40 points, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be – that's the worst PR you can possibly imagine. At least right now, it's before the game. You can make the case of like, hey, you know, we, we've got a week before signing day. We want to make a commitment to Jim Harbaugh. Um, he is our coach of the future. You know, we're, we're restructuring his deal in a, in a COVID pandemic environment that makes the most amount of sense for us. You could do that on Wednesday or Thursday. If you do it next Monday after a beatdown from Ohio State, it's, it's just going to get torn to shreds. So, yeah, right now there's so many possibilities, but I, I'm not, I don't say I'm not looking forward to the game. I, I kind of am if they play it because last week Michigan didn't play and that was hard to kind of go a weekend without your team. Um, but, but goodness, I, I'm not expecting uh, results. I'm not expecting um, any type of excitement. I don't know that I'm expecting Justin to be able to put my, throw my fist into the air and sing the victors once uh, on Saturday. And <laughs> I mean, that says enough right there about where this program has gotten to under Jim Harbaugh. So I, I just don't, I don't know when, when you're talking about should he get an extension or not, if Michigan has a 30, they're 30 point underdogs and they still can't cover that. I think that the coach at that time should be fired. I, I just, I, there's no way, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can say that, yeah, he is the guy for the job. And how could you say that if he hasn't gotten it done in year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, why is year seven going to be any different when it's been a steady decline and then basically you fell off the cliff in 2020? So it's it just they're in a bad spot no matter what. And, and I don't think it's going to get better until you cut ties with Jim Harbaugh. And so when there's the option of Matt Campbell out there, who it seems like he'd be a great candidate and has, the big, has Iowa State in the Big 12 championship right now, I, I don't. I don't know why you aren't looking, taking a serious look at that. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you on Saturday. It's just going to be how bad is Michigan going to lose? I had, I had friends um, say, hey, come over on Saturday. We'll take a shot for every time Ohio State scores a touchdown. <laughs> and, I mean, we might be dead if we actually do that because they, they really might score 100. So, um, yeah, I, I just – there are so many factors that – Yes, there are a lot of variables that this, of why this season has gone to shit, but there are so many mm-hmm. variables of p- poor 
evaluating poor um, everything that Michigan has backed itself into a corner that if you don't even keep this game close, I, I mean, you're, you're saying uh, what you're saying is absolutely correct. That if they uh, were to wait till after the game and they get beat by 50 and then they sign him. Yes. You're 100%, 100% correct. That sounds terrible. That looks terrible. Everything. I don't think it looks much better if you sign him to an extension for how many millions of dollars and say, yes, we're paying this guy a, a big amount of money. And then he goes out and immediately gets spanked by the one team that he's supposed to beat. Uh, that doesn't look good either. No, I mean, it doesn't, nothing looks good. Nothing looks good about it. It's all bad. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a sh- I mean, here we are in year six and, I don't know. I certainly think that Justin, we save a lot of the, uh, we, we save more of this conversation. The, you know, do you extend Jim Harbaugh? What's the value of it? Uh, why is this such a bad move for Michigan after he gets extended, which we both expect maybe to happen. Um, and then we just look at, hopefully we're going to, we're going we're to hopefully drop our next podcast on Wednesday. Um, we should have an announcement in the next 36 hours. I would think Justin about whether they're going to play this game against Ohio state um, you know, I don't think it's fair to Ohio State. I don't think it's fair to anybody if they're waiting until Friday to announce if they're going to play the game. Um, I would think that you would have to have this announcement uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday um, if they're playing. And then we'll get into a lot more analysis. And then we'll bring our good friend Will Heininger back, who we didn't have a podcast with on uh, on Sunday uh, because there was no game. So I- I'm just I'm just trying to survive uh, the next couple of days. Um, you know, that's a that's a bad choice of words. I'm just trying to sit back and watch how the next couple of days unfold, Justin, and see where we are uh, in terms of this Michigan uh, football team um, going into the Ohio State game, if there's an Ohio State game, and whether or not they've announced a Jim Harbaugh contract. So in the meantime, I'm going to keep myself busy by stopping at uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company and picking up uh, some growlers and some nachos. Um, I'm coming to Ann Arbor. I'm going to Ann Arbor on uh, Tuesday. And you know what I'm doing, Justin. You know I'm hitting up my haunts. I'm going to I'm picking up some beer from Wolverine State Brewing Company, uh, and then I'm actually going to be doing some carryout from uh, from Weber's Hotel uh, and bringing that home to the to the family. Um, so gonna gonna get up my you know get to my places, uh, hang out, enjoy myself, um, you know pick up some great food. Both great sponsors, both great small businesses in the Ann Arbor area here. Uh, you can learn more by going to WolverineBeer.com to check out their menu and WebersAnnArbor.com to check out. Uh, their menu. Um, you know, we're we're in the middle of this shutdown here in the state of Michigan. The only business they can really do is carry out business. So if you have it in you uh, to carry out, I don't know about you and Jacqueline, Justin, but we're doing carry out like three or four times a week right now, um, yeah. just because we feel like it's something that we're capable of doing. Um, and we're trying to help prop some of these small businesses up. We're doing the same thing. We, uh, we're finding a couple different places. We just went to uh, a new chicken shawarma place here by mm. our house um, and, and got a bunch of food. And so, yeah, not only are we just sick of cooking the same thing over and over because it's been, you know, we've now been in quarantine for dang near nine months. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're trying some different things, some new places that we would have never tried and some small businesses here in the Ann Arbor, Ipsy, Canton area. So 
um yeah uh can't wait to uh to talk more later this week and hopefully we have an update on jim harbaugh and i'm sure well we might have a few thoughts on that i i'd say um because i think we could have talked for three more hours and just uh mm-hmm. uh you know kept the bitching going um uh, but we'll try to at least make sense <laughs> of it a little bit um and uh you know i think one thing uh to talk about is you know, where does Michigan go after they sign Jim Harbaugh, if that actually does happen? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, um, you know, some more Michigan basketball. I know now that their game's canceled, but we can talk more a little bit about them. Um, you can follow us at Stadium Main Pod on Twitter. I am at Justin Row 92 and Mike is at Michael Spath, I-T-H. Follow us there for more coverage and more hot takes, of, of course. <laughs> and we will see you all later this week. This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.